is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Hey everyone, what an incredible week in real estate. Never fails to amaze me. We've got a lot to talk about today and some of my guests coming up this hour. We've got Romana King. She is a, uh, a contributing editor at Money Sense. And we're going to be talking a lot about real estate with her. What's going on on the West Coast? And then bring it back to the GTA. Always a great to have Ramana on. Also, um, the uh, the mayor of Muskoka Lakes is joining me. You've heard of the Muskokas. Well, Mr. Mayor Don Furness is joining me later in the hour for minutes with the mayor. Always awesome to have the mayors join us. Talk about their municipalities. One of the reasons why you should move there. Anyways, always great to have these uh, this segment filled with some very, very interesting people, and I look forward to chatting with Mayor Dawn Furness from the Muskoka Lakes in a little while. But let's talk about the market. You know what? Every single week, it seems like I've got, you know, another number to give you, 33%. You know, people are now turning around trying to double up the cost of rent. Everything is, you know, out there. And one of the things that I keep forgetting that I need to have a conversation with you is how to protect yourselves. And I'd rather start off the segment right now because, you know what, again, I can tell you that all of my, uh, my, my, all the hosts here at the radio station, we're always talking about what's going on in the real estate market. You know, a lot of times I'm guests on the different shows. We're always talking about, you know, this latest thing, this latest thing, this latest thing. But how about you? How do you deal with this real estate market? I don't know if you caught the show a couple of weeks ago. And by the way, you can always go and download our, uh, our segments, go to the, uh, go to the actual uh, website here at News Talk 1010. And you can look up my show, you know, 3 p.m. Saturday, you know, Simply Real Estate, you can click on it and download it from the cloud. And a couple of weeks ago, I tried to give everybody some advice if they turn around and pull the trigger on the foreign buyer tax. One of it was, is that, of course, I believe that everybody, if you're selling your home, you should turn around and put in a clause that protects you from the foreign buyer tax, not from the foreign buyer. Because quite frankly, you know what? They're people just like you and I, and they want to—they have money and they want to buy a property. They're not here to rip you off, and they're not here to rip the country off. In fact, they are a big part of the contributing factor of the Canadian economy. And there's nothing wrong with foreign buyers, but if the government deems to say that, hey, wait a minute, they're making the real estate uh, world go out of control, so we're going to start taxing them. If you are under contract with somebody that is a foreign buyer, and foreign buyer, again, for clarity, and I always want to do this, a foreign buyer is somebody that A, is not going to be living in Canada, B, resides in another country, C, pays their taxes in another country, then we can look at them as a foreign buyer. Now, remember, we've got a lot of people immigrating here, people. So when you see somebody show up, you know, at the next door neighbor, the house is for sale, don't judge them by their race, color, creed, anything, okay? It doesn't necessarily mean they're a foreign buyer. They could be coming from Markham and they just want to live in your neighborhood. So you know what? I think everybody's got to take a step off the ledge, stop talking about foreign buyers, but... The government hasn't decided to stop talking about it. And then Mr. Souza decides to put a foreign buyer tax in Ontario. Then here's how you as a seller protects yourself. Make sure you have a clause written into the offer that says if the foreign buyer tax does get implemented prior to the closing of your property, guess what? You are entitled to the deposit and automatically the deal gets mutually released if the buyer decides not to close. The reason why the money's going to be held in the trust account of 
the actual broker for a long, long time. In fact, when I uh, when I have conversations with brokers, you know, one of the things they'll say, yeah, you know, Todd, the administration of our broker account can get quite tiresome because we've had deposits in our account for 10 years. Well, you know what? If you can't find the actual buyer, you can't get them to release the money because it has to be mutually agreed upon. And you may as well put that in the offer that it is mutually agreed upon that the deposit is released to you, the seller, if they do not close on the property. Again, this is a safety measure only in a foreign buyer situation. And that's only if the government decides to implement that. But how about the buyers out there? Are some of you getting sick and tired of losing in competition? Well, one of the reasons why, obviously, is there's a lot of people and there's not a lot of supply. So then the natural knee-jerk reaction is, okay, I can't buy anything right now. We're going to rent. And then comes the stories of the idea that everybody's now going to lose in multiple offers and renting. Well, here's the problem is that the, the areas that we hear this multiple offer scenario it's really in like a square block, okay? It's not throughout the GTA. It's not even throughout Toronto. It's really at Boardwalk. How many of you have actually played Monopoly? I started playing when I was four, and maybe that's the reason why I ended up being in real estate for the rest of my life. But if you know Monopoly, we know that some of these areas are considered Boardwalk and Park Place. And when Stollery's that was sold uh, back last year, that was deemed to be Boardwalk. And that's why they sold for you know hundreds of millions of dollars and why we're going to see an 80 80- uh, 80 um, uh, story building being put up for development there. It's going to be crazy. But again, when we talk about the hub, the area, I always was a believer. I always liked to buy Marvin Gardens. And one of the reasons why I like those areas was I could put a hotel on them immediately. And then no matter what, I, I would buy all three up, get them all loaded up. And you, you always landed on them. You know, if you're only in the hub, the one that, you know, Park Place and Boardwalk, there's only, they're very small. There's only two of them around the board. There's lots of areas to land that you don't have a problem with. Well, my analogy is the same. When you're looking for both a place to rent or to live, if you want to buy something, why does everybody have to buy Boardwalk? You know what? Why don't you buy, you know, Indiana and turn around and fix it up, make it look better? You can do that with rentals. And by the way, a lot of landlords, if you want to turn around and say, look, you know what? I plan on being here for five years. So how about you put in some new carpet for me? How about you paint it the color I like? You can do that. You can actually negotiate with some landlords or they'll say, okay, fine, you can do it, but make sure you paint it back when you decide to leave. If you do rent a place like that, guess what? You're probably not going to compete. You probably aren't going to have to sit there and give your, you know, your second born just to get into it. And this is the thing. If you all want boardwalk and park place, guess what? There's a bunch of people that want it, a bunch of people that have it, you're going to pay for it. But if you're willing to take a look just outside the board and go to something that, you know, it's nice, it's livable, you can make it better, guess what? It's going to be more affordable, you're going to be able to put more money away, and down the road, if you want to buy something, you can do it. So my advice for tenants is this. Make sure you've got both your credit report ready. Make sure that you've cleaned it up. Um, How many of you have actually done your credit report? My advice, pull your credit report. Do you know what it consists of? Again, something that has a nine in front of a letter is not good. That means that you decided not to pay a bill. So that one, you if it's not your fault, get in touch with the company, get it cleaned up, make sure your credit report is excellent. When that happens, a landlord will take a much more serious look at you than if you've got some issues. 
On top of that, make sure you have your first and last ready. So when you turn around, you put it put in your offer to lease. Make sure you're willing to work with them. Make sure you're able to have everything that they need. References, be prepared. Just as you are when you go to buy a property, make sure you're well prepared when you're going to rent a property. You know what? Give them a letter. One of the things that I found interesting in the last little while is the number of letters that realtors are asking their their would-be buyers to write. In other words, tell the seller why they should go with your offer. You know, this is this is this is something totally new. A few years ago, this wasn't the norm. And now because there's so many offers that are competing, People are now describing themselves. It's like, well, we're a young couple with a, you know, young children, and we believe that your home is going to be a home for our family for a long period of time, you know, and they try to make a connection. So if everybody else bids $100,000 over the asking and so do you, how do you win? Well, they're bringing back the personality of it. So this whole multiple offer idea, both from a rental and a buying perspective, is actually now being come more personalized. And so if you're going to be a tenant, tell your landlord why they should rent to you. You know what? I'm going to take good care of your property where, you know, we, sorry, we, we got rid of our St. Bernard that weighed, uh, you know, 150 pounds. So we're not going to trash the place. You know, we're, we're going to be respectful of it. We're going to be here for a long time because our jobs will allow us to be here. You know, tell them why they should rent to you. And I think it's a great idea that you do it. And again, just like the offers to purchase nowadays, an offer to rent is you having the ability to convince now the person, the landlord, why you should be the tenant, just as the seller is now going to be convinced why somebody should be the purchaser. Again, just a couple of tips, because again, with this marketplace, as crazy it is as it is, put some personality into it, you may end up with a much, much better outcome. I think that's very important for all of you if you're going to want to achieve what you're trying to achieve. And again, listening to the marketplace, crazy, crazy stuff. So what is the government going to do? Not sure. You know what? As I said, they can always reach me here at the station or go to thesimpleinvestor.com. And you know what? I'd be happy to weigh in on some of the decision making and try to give them some of my opinions on perhaps how we gently cool the market without everybody getting upset. Values don't go down. And on top of that, you know what? For those for those uh, landlords out there, the LTB can still turn around and overturn uh, a substantial increase in your actual rent. So keep that in mind, okay? And for the tenants, if you feel that you're being treated unfair, you can always go to the Landlord Tenant Board and lodge a query into what your landlord is doing. So keep that in mind. Now, remember, coming up, we've got our Simple Seminar, and it is on May the 25th, and um, probably don't have much space left, so go to thesimpleinvestor.com to register today. I'm always happy to talk to people and try to give them the best advice that I can. So, as I mentioned earlier, coming up, we've got Romana King as well, the mayor from Muskoka. Some great things we're going to be talking about. And uh, you know what? I got to tell you, it's interesting because with the market as, I would say, volatile as it is, the question always is, are we in a bubble? Well, right now, we've got a lot of the economists weighing in. One of the ones that I've had as a guest I believe in is Mr. Benjamin Tall from CIBC World Markets. One of the things that he has said, without a doubt, do not put rent control back in on all properties. And I would have to agree with him. So folks, uh, like I said, we've got a lot coming up. 
And coming up right after the break, I've got Romana King joining me. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. Hey, listen, you know, I could be a talking head and, you know, I got to tell you, I really love to talk about real estate, but sometimes I have to reach out to the real professionals in the industry as well. And, uh, you know, someone that I rely on all the time and also is a fabulous person in the industry is, of course, contributing editor of, of Money Sense, the new director of content for Zolo, and it is Ramada King. And Ramada, welcome to the show. Hello. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Oh, things are exciting in the real estate market, I tell you. <laughs> you know, I, I got to tell you, every single week... It, and, 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 you know, I, I obviously I listen to the uh, the radio station here all the time. All my uh, fellow hosts, you know, they're just – it's just nonstop. It almost like everybody's just getting sick and tired of talking about it, but there's still more fuel to the fire. It just oh, doesn't stop. It's like stop. a train wreck. You just can't stop talking about it. <laughs> yeah, but Ramona, this is a long train, you know. This has yeah, been <laughs> one heck of a long train for us. It's got a lot of momentum, this train. So, I mean, real estate in Canada continues to be one of the number one topics. Uh, and it doesn't matter if you if you live outside of the GTA or, or the greater Vancouver area, you're still concerned about real estate, right? Yeah. You got it. So, okay, so let's, we're, we're, we're going to start with the West. So you and I can talk a little bit about Vancouver, BC. You know, the bigger topic, obviously, is going to be the GTA of Toronto. But um, so what's happening out there? What are you seeing as far as the spring market? Are your numbers, you know, starting to gain a little momentum out there? It started off as a rough year. We saw a decline in, and I'll, I'll, I'll sort of let the cat out of the bag, or we're going to talk about foreign buyers. The foreign buyers made up in the Metro Vancouver market about double digits, 10, 11% of the market, and that dropped to near zero by August when the foreign buyers tax came in. It's now creeped up again. It's around 4%, just a little, little over 4%. So some foreign buyers are coming back into the market, and we're assuming that those are the legit foreign buyers, not the ones that have found workarounds, like uh, getting a work permit or someone who just graduated school uh, to buy the home in their name. Or a family member. I've sat in, <laughs> and I've sat in many coffee shops, and I've actually seen some of these transactions, or I assume I've seen some of these transactions with very young individuals purchasing very expensive homes. So right. who knows, right? So let's um, talk the, the numbers then. What, what, what are we seeing? Have, have they bottomed out coming back up a little? I mean, because you did, you did have a little bit of a shakeup on value, but not much. Well, not much, and yes, a lot. So Metro Vancouver actually dropped... By, in terms of price, by almost 40% from January to January 2016 to 2017. So that's a huge, significant, you know, almost half the market disappearing from that in a price perspective. But it's starting to come back up again. And not all segments of the market were impacted the same way. So more of the more expensive properties felt the biggest price decreases. Some of the more competitive regions in the, in the price spectrum did not. So hovering around 1 million or 650 up to 1 million, you're not going to see that 40% price reduction. It's around the, the $2 million mark, $3 million mark, $4 million mark is when you start to really see that price reduction. Uh, and the rest of Vancouver kind of felt that fallout and different areas responded in different ways. So West Vancouver, you know, I hate to say this, is now looking like a great buy. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's still expensive, 
So if you've got the money to pony up, but what's happened is a lot of the people that decided they were going to capitalize on really high prices, I think they've actually put their homes up for sale and moved out. They've moved to places, believe it or not, like North Vancouver, where prices seem a bit more reasonable. Um, and I say a bit because they're starting to creep up quite a lot because people are realizing this. But what if, what we're seeing and what realtors are seeing in West Vancouver is that people that were priced right out of certain segments of West Vancouver are now starting to get in. So it still costs a lot to get into West Vancouver, but people are buying because it's not just houses they're buying. They're buying quality of life, they're buying the amenities, they're buying the, the, the value of those neighborhoods and they want in at any price. And now the prices come down that that any price makes it more accessible. Okay, so now we do know that uh, obviously last year when you when you mentioned 2016 and 2017, 2016 was absurdly high because the market had a huge run-up, not you know, different than what's happening right now in, in Toronto. But at the same time, has it opened up the ability for first-time buyers to to actually take a run at it? Because that market, I don't believe, quite adjusted as much. So, is it is there any affordability now for first-time home buyers in the Vancouver market? Uh, and that's a great point because that's really the argument is, yes, we're seeing all these price declines and there's lots of headlines, but the first-time buyers are still struggling. You still have a lot of competition for the, what I would consider the lower-priced homes, and these are the under $1 million mark. There's not a lot of inventory. In fact, there's you know less, I think, 17% decrease in inventory you know, month, uh, from year to year, month to month, and it's, it's hurting. What it's doing is it's keeping the prices up. And so first-time buyers who are not in that $1 million plus mark are still competing for the same houses with very little price movement. So it's still tough for the first-time buyer. Yeah. And, and this, this is part of, you know, the biggest complaint, obviously, right across Canada. And, and well, let me, let, me, let me rephrase that. In the two biggest markets in Canada <laughs> is the fact that the first-time homebuyers are getting squeezed out. And, you know, it's the affordability issue. And despite the fact that uh, Vancouver implemented or BCM implemented that, you know, that little extra kick with the 5%, you know, uh, interest-free um, uh, loan of, of, for mm-hmm. a down payment, you know, you and I talked about that a few weeks back. And, you know, that might have helped out a few people, but it really, you know, based on, on, on what you're telling me and what I've been reading, you know, that market still is kind of stymied. Like it's not, it's not moving forward because there just isn't the inventory. There isn't the inventory, and, and yet there's still a, a big demand. So really what we have to see is we have to see some sort of external factor that's going to push all prices down. And, of course, that sort of go, the golden key it has been the interest rates is whether or not interest rates are going to start climbing up, which is going to impact mortgage rates and that will impact how many people can actually afford homes and push prices down because there will be less demand. Right now, the demand still is supporting prices for the most sought after market segment, which is the under million. Yeah. And and what I think that's always going to be kind of the driving force as all markets, you know, we always rely on the first time home buyers to drive the majority of all markets. And when there's just no inventory for them, um, you know, that means that people are kind of either freezing out that they're not moving or we've just got too many buyers in a marketplace that just doesn't have the inventory. So it's a, it's kind of a catch 22, really. It really is. You know, we're just going to come first at this point, the chicken or the egg. What are we going to actually see first? And I think that's why there has to be some sort of external factor. And, and I think that's why Morneau is talking to, you know, or wants to talk to Toronto's mayor and, and uh, the, the provincial premier 
they want to have a better understanding of, you know, how do we actually impose an external factor to try and tame this market that's going on in, G- in the GTA? Okay, so before you and I go there, again, speaking of chicken of egg, uh, I'm, all, I'm almost going to say that we'll, we'll talk about the federal government being the chicken. Um, you know, I'm not sure if the municipalities are the eggs yet, but um, when, we, uh, when we come back, if you don't mind staying put, I want to have a really good conversation about the political impact that they want to enforce I think into some marketplaces and I don't think it's necessarily the right thing to do so do you uh, do you mind hanging on and uh, when we come back after the break you and I can talk more would love to yes excellent so folks stay with me I'll have more with Ramana King as soon as we come back and you're gonna want to hear this conversation because the two of us are gonna probably let loose a little on the government so stay with us we'll be right back you're listening to simply real estate with Todd C Slater on News Talk 1010 Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, my guest right now is somebody that I think is an absolute uh, amazing real estate professional. She is contributing editor at Money Sense Magazine, director of content for Zolo, and it is Ramana King. And Ramana, just before the break, you and I were alluding to talking about the federal government and provincial governments getting involved in the real estate market. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, this is we've seen this trickle across Canada and trying to understand how to tame two of the hottest markets from a federal perspective, which has, you know, this big broad axe of, you know, interest rates or mortgage regulation and then some more localized involvement in the BC government and and uh and in Metro Vancouver, you know, where they've decided to do certain things to try and tame a market or at least try and make it more affordable for first-time buyers to get in. Now we've got, you know, Federal Finance Minister Bill Morneau asking if he can meet with John Tory, the Toronto's mayor, to see what can we do about this hot housing market, which it's kind of interesting to see government actually trying to take a heavy hand at something they've, you know, for the last, I would say, couple of decades, they really haven't, I mean, they've done a lot of tweaks, but they haven't tried to meddle too much. Yeah. You know, I, and, 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 you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, but, you know, I, I, I think that they need to back off and instead of doing it from, a, you know, the, how is it the federal government should be involved directly with a, a city or a municipality? I think that, you know, if it's if we're going to you know, not that I'm going to endorse Kathleen Wynne to do it, but I think that uh, obviously uh, Mayor Tory and the, and the surrounding mayors may be able to come up with something. You know, I don't think there's a magic solution here, but definitely the government playing a heavy hand into this marketplace. I, I think they're overstepping their bounds if they do. I think I think that we've got to figure out a solution to cool the market, and I agree with that. But I think that you know, getting them to do something that you know we're all going to regret later may be a problem. And I, th- I think that's actually, I mean, you're absolutely right. Having that you know federal broad broad axe, you know, coming down on the housing market impacts the entire country, and that's going to hurt the entire country. I think that's in part sort of the political move that Bill Morneau is doing. He's he's looks at it and said, you know, I can't use my broad axe. I can't wield this big, unwieldy national uh, plan and impact the entire housing market. I need something to be done in, in a very particular segment, which is in Toronto. I think he's making a public play to try and put pressure on John Tory and perhaps uh, Kathleen Wynne to do something. 
and that's why he's called this meeting. I'm pretty sure, and I'm, I don't know, I don't have the ear of Bill Morneau, uh, but I'm pretty sure Bill Morneau doesn't want to use a federal solution. He wants a municipal solution. And he's kind of pushing in a public way, listen, John Tory, step up. Either impose a you know foreign buyers tax or um, you know increase taxes for houses you know that sell for more than two million or sell for more than a million. Do something to try and tame this market. Yeah. and I think he's really sort of putting political pressure on the the municipal and, and uh, provincial governments. So why don't why don't why don't they come up with a better solution? You know the markets that are you know below uh, performance right now. In other words, we've got we've got uh, you know markets that are going negative. Why not throw the carrot out to the foreign buyers and say, hey, listen, there's no capital gain. If you buy into these markets, you know, like, like throw, like actually, actually, if you, if, if you're going to be so divided and come after just one market, which again, you know, I, I, I caution saying one market because obviously the GTA market is the biggest market in Canada. It's the, the, the greatest population, you know, as far as density goes, the greatest number of transactions actually happening in Canada overall. But I mean, you know, actually taking a swipe at it, uh, I, I would say that they should be cautious with it. And, and if certainly if they wanted to, if the federal government was concerned mostly about trying to direct that, that foreign buyer money, I think that, you know, offering an incentive, maybe a time time lapse incentive, uh, incentive like, listen, for the next three years, we'll exempt any capital gains, you know, tax withholding tax on any purchases in these prop- in these areas, Calgary, Alberta, any of the, in the eastern provinces. Sure. And then that would be a great way to funnel that foreign buyer money. I'm wondering, though, if Bill Morneau is not so much concerned about foreign, and, and he's kind of signaled this. I mean, when he came out and he made amendments to how we report all real estate sales, so now everyone who sells a home, whether it's their principal residence or not, must now report to the federal government. What he was signaling is, listen, I'm not going after a certain type of buyer. I'm not going after foreign buyers. I'm going after all buyers. I'm trying to unify the playing field so that the federal government can watch the entire playing field as opposed to just concentrating on one segment. So I'm wondering if he's actually taken a larger or a broader approach and said, you know, John Tory, I'm not concerned about foreign buyers. If you are, then you impose that foreign buyers tax on Toronto. But figure out something that'll actually target what's going on in Toronto so that I don't have to use sort of that broad axe approach of trying to figure out a federal solution to a local problem. Right. So, but, um, you know, the finance minister here in Ontario, Mr. D'Souza, decided to throw out the idea, sorry, Mr. D'Souza, he, uh, he threw out the idea that, um, you know, he wants to maybe put in a foreign buyer tax into Ontario. So, you know, so we've got the federal minister saying, uh, maybe not, we're just going to go after everybody. We've got the provincial minister now saying, hey, listen, maybe we're going to go after just the foreign buyers. Um, you know, it, it's, again, there's so many people in the kitchen right now. They have no idea what they're doing. They don't have a solution. And, you know, I don't know if they're truly getting the advice uh, from the right people. And and I hate to throw this out there. I would tell them, get away from some of the real estate councils because a lot of them don't want to see any pressure put on, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the situation. I think people like, you know, and, and I'll toot yours in my own horn, talk to us because, you know what, I think we look at things more analytical and try to figure out the numbers a little bit more consistently as opposed to saying, hey, look, we're not doing this for commissions. We're not in this business. We don't sell for commissions. We actually are looking for, you know, the 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 proper landing, the proper approach. Um, 
one other one other major thing that's happening here in Toronto, of course, is the rents going up, and you yeah. know the idea now that they now want to turn around and put a further rent control in, and I think way out of line on that one. I I, I encourage them to have a stronger conversation with the LTB, which is the Landlord Tenant Board, and when people are making applications, which are outside of the norm of the one point five increase, why not give them more power to say, sorry, you you know, this is this is the set rate. Yes, you can go for a five percent increase, but you can't go for a hundred percent increase. Yeah, I, I'm I'm actually I, I mean I absolutely agree with you. I think that rent control it's people always think it's a nice simple solution. Put a rent control in and everyone's but and a lot of economists will do this, they'll point to New York and say this is the ideal classical situation of why this kind of solution is so bad. You put it in to help people and then twenty years later, and this is exactly the position that Toronto is in right now and the GTA in Ontario, when it comes to any building built after nineteen ninety one, you build in this what we think is a great solution now, this rent control now and 20 years from now, people are really suffering. So 20 years ago, they, they implemented a rule that if any building that was for rental purposes was built in 1991 or after, you didn't have rental rental control. And now landlords are, are putting in these massive rent increases. I am a little concerned or skeptical, though, that I, I wonder if some of these landlords are getting good advice, because I do know that the Landlord-Tenant Board will actually take a look at what's called an exceptional rent increase, and actually veto it. But they don't do it all the time, and they only do it if it's brought to their attention. Of course, many tenants don't know that either, so they don't know that they can actually bring it to the landlord and tenant board attention. And then that board will actually go and review. So that landlord better have all their documentation as to why they need that exceptional increase. And they need to justify it. And, and, you know, this is one of the things. So all, you know, for the last few weeks, we've been hearing this in the news, and, and a lot of our hosts have been talking about it here on the station. And I've never heard anybody bring up the fact that the landlord tenant board can veto a change on a rental increase if they do not deem it to be, you know, uh, you know, in, in, in the right percentage, if there's justification behind it, you know, they do have some power here. And, and from a tenant's perspective, you know, they need to know, like, they need to know that they can make an application to the board to disagree with it and get it brought up. Because the, this is one of the reasons why we have this governing body in place is to protect both tenant and landlord from things that are going to happen that are, are not fair. Absolutely. And, and it doesn't mean that the, the, the board will be able to help them if, you know, the landlord has done everything right and they can justify and it is a building built after 1981 and the rental unit came on after that, you know, that stipulated time. But we do have that resource. The problem is it's, it's, it's an archaic resource in terms of how to actually go through the proceedings. It's hard to understand. There are some resources out there for uh, tenants, but it can be difficult to understand. So I, I quite understand why I think I read an article where the, the gentleman just said, it's just not worth it to even try and fight. I mean, obviously this landlord wants me out, and even if I fight it, they're going to find another reason or another another way to get me out. So it, is, it does become disheartening and, and you know, goes back to that idea of are we really going to implement things like rent control, but it really isn't the best solution. And I think there are better solutions for trying to figure out how do you how do you deal with this problem? Is it a supply issue? Is it uh, is it a matter of, of trying to help people understand, you know, their rights more? Or do we just start taxing in a different manner? Yep. I think I think on the whole, what, you know, this last decade of real estate has really shown us is there are a lot of discombobulated entities within this within rental and within uh, real estate 
purchasing and, and, and selling. And uh, we need to sort of get some sort of unification and some understanding of the, the market as a whole and what entities are at play and where the, there's missing spots. I mean, I think that the, I know we don't always like government, but I think Bill Marno was smart in trying to cl- close some of the loopholes before trying to tackle some of the other issues. Yep. Excellent. Well, always a pleasure, Romano. Always a pleasure to have you on and thanks so much. And you know what? We'll stay in touch because I think there's a lot more for you and I to talk about this year. So thanks so much. Absolutely. Thank you, Todd. <laughs> okay, thank you. Folks, that was Ramon King. And when we come back, we've got more. So stay with us. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. You know, uh, one of the areas that uh, I was talking to Ian, my producer, that I always wanted to feature, of course, is one of my favorite areas to visit is up in the Muskokas. Um, I've been going there my entire life. And when we talk about, uh, you know, working with the minutes of the mayor and being able to feature some mayors, you know what, I figured, you know, why don't we reach out to uh, one of the mayors in the Muskoka Lakes. And today joining me is Mr. Mayor Don Furness. And Mr. Mayor, thank you so much for joining us here at Simply Real Estate. Oh, my pleasure, Todd. Mr. Mayor, you know, as as, uh, I had mentioned to you a little bit earlier, um, you know, I'm a huge fan growing up in the area, um, you know, my entire life love the Muskokas. But for those people, some of our listeners that aren't that familiar, can you kind of give us a little bit of an overview of the Muskoka Lakes and what people can expect in the north? Township Muskoka Lakes is actually one of six municipalities that uh, comprise the district of Muskoka. Um, we are probably in the center of the uh, uh, of the district. And uh, if you're familiar with the towns of uh, uh, Port Carling and Bala, that's uh, the township Muskoka Lakes. We're approximately 800 square kilometers, and uh, the three major lakes where most people may be familiar with are Lake Muskoka, Lake Rosso, and Lake Joseph. Uh, but we have about 80 lakes in the uh, in the area, and. Uh, we pride ourselves on the uh, the environment and uh, the uh, quality of lifestyle that we offer to both uh, seasonal residents and our permanent residents. So that gives you a brief overview. Um, uh, we're probably about 100 miles as the crow flies north of Toronto, so an easy two-hour commute for people in the GTA. Mr. Mayor, you know, uh, there's so much that I think people should be attracted to in in your area, you know, and, and I like just calling it the Muskokas, but, you know, the lakes that you mentioned, you've got a lot of the top-end golf courses that people are attracted to. Of course, there was the Kitabala for years where you had some of the some of the greatest musicians. I remember being a, a teenager and going there and listening to some of the different bands over the years. Can you, can you tell us some of the attractions that people, you know, like to come and visit? I mean, you're 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 not just a summer season you know in the winter you've got a lot going on there can you elaborate for us i think most people like like you todd are aware of what we do in the uh, in the summertime i mean it's uh, a huge number of cottages uh, uh, people families friends multi-generational groups uh, congregate here uh, and uh, lots of things to do uh, uh, you mentioned the key to Bala. The key is still uh, is still operating. Uh, still has uh, uh, name brand entertainment there on a regular basis uh, through the summer season. Um, some people are probably not aware of some of the things that we uh, that we do offer. Uh, Cranberry Festival, 
we have one of one of the largest cranberry operations in the uh, in Ontario, and we pride ourselves on the Cranberry Festival, which is held the weekend after Thanksgiving weekend. And uh, we we normally get uh, anywhere between fifteen and twenty five thousand people who show up for for that. So that's a great event that I'd encourage people to. Uh, to come and experience if you haven't experienced it already. The other uh, thing that I would say is in the wintertime in Port Carling, we have our Winterfest. Uh, it runs for about three days, and it's uh, uh, a multitude of different uh, wintertime activities that I think most people uh, uh, would enjoy if they, uh, if they have the opportunity to experience. We just completed our 50th anniversary of Winterfest in Port Carling. And uh, some, of the, some of the things that perhaps people aren't as aware of is that we have uh, numerous resorts. Some of them, uh, the JW Marriott, for instance, is a five-star resort that uh, operates year-round as a multitude of different uh, activities that uh, uh, are available for people, uh, nature walks, uh, uh, it's actually becoming very, very popular as a uh, as a convention center for uh, not only people from the Toronto area but people across Canada. Um, those are the major things that I would uh, point out. There's a multitude of other stuff uh, that uh, people I, would enjoy, and I would encourage anybody who comes here to spend some time in the water. That's yep. what we're famous for. Definitely. And Mr. Mayor, one of the, one of the things that, um, you know, when, when we talk about golf fans, I know that you've got, uh, you know, some brilliant um, golf courses surrounding the area and a lot of people are very much attracted to the area. Um, one one thing, though, I don't know if everybody's aware is the fact that, you know, a lot of people, as you, you, you had mentioned, generational, you know, a lot of cottages in your area where people like to summer, of course, they get passed down through the generations. We've seen a lot of newer uh, cottages go up. You know, I think a lot of people's perception is, of course, some of these mega-sized cottages, but there's still a lot of just your, you know, your standard cottages that, you know, people may use for one or two seasons. Are we finding more and more real estate development happening in your area? Sure. There's more. Uh, I, I think we're no different than a lot of municipalities uh, in Ontario, and certainly uh, recreational areas are probably more prone to this than uh, uh, normal residential areas. But uh, a lot of the cottage development here happened in the 50s and 60s. There were very modest three-bedroom cottages that went up, uh, and they're getting to the end of their life expectancy. So with many families, they've uh, looked at expanding these to uh, not only uh, take care of the mother and father, but also the uh, uh, the grandparents and uh, the children. So. Uh, that's one of the reasons that a lot of them are getting uh, a little bigger and a little uh, little more impressive, I guess. The other thing that uh, we're unique on is the boathouses. Uh, not very many places have the number of boathouses and the, uh, uh, the two stories with living accommodations above. So that's uh, another thing that's uh, that's driven uh, uh, a lot of development in this area. 
Yeah, it's it's interesting because um, for for people that aren't cottagers, I don't know, and and you know, I'm I'm glad that you you had told everybody, you know, you definitely have to come up and visit and be on the water, because it's it's so surreal, it's unbelievable when you're when you're sitting on a dock and you know the brilliant sun, the wonderful water, and it's so clean, um, folks. If you're just joining me, I'm uh, joined by Mr. Uh, Mayor Don Furness. Uh, he's from the Muskoka Lakes, and uh, with minutes of the mayor right now, and you know, one of the things that uh, we like to do is try to encourage people to just look outside the GTA and as the uh, as the mayor had just mentioned you know about uh, about a you know a good not quite two hours up from the GTA you can you can reach the Muskoka Lakes Mr. Mayor one of the things that we've also seen uh, and because I always track these kind of things is that we find a lot of people that are starting to retire more in your neck of the woods you know there are some areas that are developing more like retirement I would say villages or for that matter you know just just kind of set up for people that want to uh, have a little nice nicer pace of life. Yeah, I'm probably a classic example of that, Todd. Uh, we uh, have vacationed up here uh, all of our lives. I guess I first came up here when I was uh, seven or eight years old. And uh, my wife's family's been up here for oh, 140 years. But uh, we uh, we vacationed up here uh, all of our lives. Our kids uh, vacationed up here, and uh, we knew that after traveling around the world that this was the place that we wanted to be in, in retirement. So uh, we did exactly that. We converted a cottage to a to a house, and uh, quite frankly, uh, over the last uh, 12 or 13 years, uh, uh, couldn't have made a better decision. And I would I would encourage people who uh, who like uh, this type of lifestyle that uh, to do exactly the same thing. And we are getting people moving from the GTA. Many of our friends have done that and uh, have uh, have settled uh, either in urban areas like Bracebridge, Gravenhurst, or on the lakes. So uh, that uh, very definitely is happening. Excellent. Well, Mr. Mayor, I know that you're going to be coming into your busy season, of course, spring, once all the ice is gone and, and everybody, all the cottagers start coming back up again because it's, uh, it's always a very busy time come April and May. And uh, I'd just like to thank you so much for joining us today at Simply Real Estate. And uh, we really appreciate you uh, telling us a little bit more about your area. Can I give you? Can I give a little commercial plug? You certainly can, Mr. Mayor. Happy, happy to know more about Muskoka. Okay, the Mayor's Golf Tournament, annual classic golf tournament, is coming up on the 26th of June. It's at the beautiful Rock uh, uh, Golf Course, and the proceeds uh, go to Hospice Muskoka. So, uh, if you're available, you got a foursome, you'd like to participate, go to the website and have a look. Excellent. And what do you know? Thank what you. that? Do you know what that website is, Mr. Mayor? Uh, it'll be www.muskokalakes.ca. Excellent. Well, you know what? Uh, for our listeners that want to go up and, and play a wonderful round of golf and add to a good charity, then by all means, they'll definitely go there. So once again, thank you so much for joining us today. Okay. Thanks, Todd. And I would just like to thank my guests. Uh, always, it's a pleasure to have the mayors join us. Uh, Mr. Don Furness from Muskoka Lakes. Pleasure to have him on as well. Ramana King. Always great to listen to Ramana's take on things, you know, somebody that I definitely rely on, and she's got a great perspective on things, and also kind of our correspondent out in the West Coast there. I like people keeping an eye on Vancouver, because a lot of the stuff trickles back here. So, coming up, by the way, next week, we've got some great guests joining us. We've got Alan Carson, founder and president of Carson and Dunlop Association. Um, he's going to be joining me in the studio 
we're going to talk about the trend of people not putting home inspection clauses now in their agreement of purchase and sale. I don't know if I agree, so you know what? I'd rather go to the professionals. Alan Carson's going to be joining us. So I want to thank my producer, Ian Grant. As usual, he always makes it simple for me. And for all of you tuning in, greatly appreciate it. Love talking about real estate. There's never a shortage of information that's floating around. And for all of us here at News Talk 1010, I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. And you've been listening to Simply Real Estate. And I'll talk to you next week at 3 p.m.